All right, here we go. Now, close your eyes. Welcome to Sports with Chris Rawl. I am Chris Rawl, and I will be talking about sports. On today's show, our tendency to define individuals based upon singular moments and the constant, never-ending search for consistency. You are never what you are at your worst. You are never what you are at your best. This is something I believe we get lost in sometimes as a society. The tendency that we have to define a person based upon one moment, based upon one thing that we know about them, whether a stranger or someone we have come across in our life. I've heard this from many people around me, uh, friends or whatever, and I go, what do you know about this person? They go, well, that person, they suck. They, You won't believe what they did to me. They cut me off in the parking lot this one time. I go, well, what else do you know about them? They go, I don't know anything. They just, I just know they suck because of that one thing. And it works both ways. They go, that person, they're, they're great. They bought me cubbies one time for lunch. I go, well, oh, sounds like a nice person. They must be nice all the time. They go, I don't know. I had a business lunch with them one time and they bought me cubbies. What do you want? Now, for me, I don't really understand that particular way of viewing individuals because I look at it and I go, these are mere glimpses of what you are capable of being. They are not clear definitions by any means. The answer exists somewhere between these two extreme ends of the spectrum. Now, I firmly believe this, that if you plucked the worst moment of anybody's life, myself included, it could be a thought, it could be a word, it could be an action, it doesn't matter, it could be a combination of all those things. If you plucked the worst moment of anybody's life and held it up for all the world to see, every single person, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that has ever lived on this earth, every single one would look like the worst person on earth. I do believe that. And by that same token, if you plucked the best moment of anybody's life, uh, a triumph, a notable moment of compassion or mercy or whatever, if you plucked the best moment of anybody's life and you held it up for all the world to see, Every single one of us, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, would look like the best person on earth. I do believe that because I believe that everybody, myself included, is capable of incredible highs and incredible lows. These flashes of brilliance uh, kind of tempered by what exists on the other side. These moments that we're not proud of and we go, I I really acted poorly and I wish that that wasn't within me. And I'm going to try to ensure that that doesn't happen again moving forward. So this understanding has led me as I've gotten older to really value consistency. That's something I've kind of naturally gravitated towards, but it's gotten stronger the older that I have gotten. Because the more that I think about this and the more that I live it, I start to believe that what you are the majority of the time, that holds a lot more weight in my opinion than your worst or your best moments. It's kind of the idea that what you are is not shown through a moment. It's what you show through years. It's what you show through a lifetime. As I've thought about this, 
And as I've applied this particular understanding of consistency to my life, it's, it's really been strengthened and reinforced over the last decade because I have gotten deeply into the game of golf. Golf teaches you a lot about life if you let it. And one of the areas that it teaches you about is consistency. I've really had this mindset reinforced by the game of golf because the better I've gotten, the more I have understood there are two things that golfers aspire to be on the course. The first is that flash, the ability to shoot a good score, really good score. For me, that was the measurement of par, getting to where I could shoot under par, which at the start seemed so unattainable, it was almost laughable. And I put in time and I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm sharpening these skills and, and I'm strengthening myself mentally and physically, all this kind of stuff. And it's years and it's years and it's years of work. And then there's that one day that the, the flash happens. I shoot under par and I go, this is the most incredible day of my life. Wow. I can't believe that all of these years that I put in coalesced in this specific moment. And I can hold up a scorecard and it says 71 on it. So at that point, I think, well, this is just what I am moving forward. I want to believe that I am what I am at my best on the golf course. That's how I felt walking off that day. And you immediately realize that is not the case. Come crashing back down to earth and I'm shooting 85 and I'm shooting 82 and I'm shooting 88 and I'm shooting 79. And I'm going, wait, I thought that this was a breakthrough. And over the course of time, as again, I still continued ascending from a skills perspective and strengthening my game and and all that kind of stuff started to understand the second thing that golfers aspire to be on the course and the thing that now I'm eight years in or whatever it's been that I understand is seems just as unobtainable and is actually harder than the original flash it's being consistent It's trying to come day in, day out and play golf every single day and string together scores that you are proud of. I've come to understand that that is a very, very, very hard thing to do. It's a motivator. There's no doubt about that. At the same time, it strengthens what I think about humanity, about myself, that I'm not defined by my peaks are not defined by my valleys. I'm defined by that credible, vast middle. What are you on the day-to-day? That's how I perceive the game of golf. That's how I live it. I think about that sport. And, and I think about the professional game. And I view it through the same lens. There's one stat in the game of golf that I find to be more impressive than any other. Some people will disagree with me on this point, and I would argue vehemently against them. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with majors or wins or any of the stuff that people love in golf, the bright flash. It's that for 142 consecutive tournaments, Tiger Woods never missed a cut. That is the most impressive stat in the history of golf for me because of how I think and because of how I value consistency. You are defined not by a moment, you are defined by your years. 
unreal stat. In the context of the game of golf, anybody who plays it, anybody who follows it understands how unreal this stat is. The next person, the next closest person on the list, is Byron Nelson. He made 113 consecutive cuts in the 1940s. Only six times in the history of the game has a professional had a made cut streak of longer than 52. Only six times. And everybody besides Tiger Woods, they came from a, a different era. Okay, the, the modern game has really gotten deeper and more talented, top to bottom. There's just so much talent in the game of golf that now you see the very best in the world miss a cut every 10 tournaments. doesn't matter who it is. All these people who have incredible flashes of brilliance, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, go on down the list of these people who we associate with being at the top of the leaderboard, they're missing cuts all the time. Now, that's why I believe this stat to be the most impressive. More than anything that Tiger Woods ever did. And that list of accomplishments in the game of golf that he has, it's virtually unparalleled when it comes to a combination of consistency marked by periods of brilliance. Best combination you could ever dream of. Now, the consistency is what I gravitate towards. It's more than any of the majors that Tiger Woods has won, more than any of the tournaments. Winning the 2000 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach by 15 shots, an incredible achievement from Tiger Woods. Winning the 2008 U.S. Open on a torn ACL and a playoff over Rocco Media, incredible accomplishment. Victory over mind and body and field. Winning the 97 Masters as a kid, Or that full circle, incredible reminder of the cyclical nature of life when he wins the 2019 Masters. And we know everything that went into that and the the valleys that he had experienced over the last decade, both on and off the course. And he comes and he hugs his kid. And everybody who's followed his career, they're having flashbacks to him winning in 97 and coming off and hugging his dad back when his dad was alive. All of these things, I mean, just incredible achievements. You could record an entire podcast series based upon the achievements of Tiger Woods. The flashes of brilliance that are just so bright, they outshine almost anything. But for me, all of these things, they're awesome. I mean, you tip your hat to him. It's part of what has made him the greatest golfer of all time. But for me, this thing that I will gravitate towards and go back to and say, this is the most impressive thing Tiger Woods ever did. It's making every single cut for 142 straight tournaments. Literally every professional golfer is capable of periods of brilliance. Every single one. Again, going back to the nature of humanity, that's true for everybody. You expand that out in sports and you realize, yeah, any golfer can do that. All these Professional golfers, they could shoot incredible scores in one given day. They could shoot a 59 in a tournament. And they could capture lightning in a bottle for four days. And they could play great golf. And they could win a tournament. They could win a major. All of these people are capable of doing that. The separator is, can you continue to do it? You're not defined by your best. You're not defined by your worst. You're defined by what occurs in the middle. Expand that into other sports. And you see more examples of just, oh, yeah, these are professional athletes. 
And in a brief moment in time, they can do incredible things. Nick Foles, man, he has not been a good quarterback before or since. But for a brief momentary stretch in time, Nick Foles ascended to be the best quarterback in football and the Eagles won the Super Bowl because of how he played in the NFC title game and the Super Bowl. How about Jeremy Lin? Lin Sanity with the New York Knicks. Came out of nowhere, went back to nowhere. Brief couple-week stretch where Jeremy Lin, a person that nobody knew, became the starting point guard for the New York Knicks and was scoring 30 points a game and had all these incredible big shots. And it was a really cool moment because it just reminded us of, oh, man, there are things that we can't possibly predict that occur. That's really cool about life. It's really cool about sports. And this is really fun. It just seemed like something so out of the ordinary that we all gravitated towards. Oh, this is refreshing. This isn't Kobe or LeBron just dunking on everybody. This is some little doofus point guard who's scoring 30 against everybody. And then it just went away. I could list a million examples in every single sport, but it just it hammers home what I'm talking about, where the separation occurs. You are not what you are at your best. You are not what you are at your worst. What are you over the course of your career? You are defined by your years. LeBron, he, he kind of follows the same pattern as Tiger. That's why they're both considered to be amongst the greatest within their sports. Consistency marked by brilliance. He's going on roughly 20 years now. And, and just like Tiger, he's got all the moments of brilliance. You could go down the list and say, oh man, 2016 NBA Finals, just for my money, you'll never see a three-game stretch of basketball played better for the stakes, for the opponent, and what LeBron had to do in order for his team to win. You will never see a better stretch. I firmly believe that than game five, game six, and game seven of the 2016 NBA Finals. And that's incredible. I'll always, when I think of LeBron's career, that will be one of the moments or one of the stretches marked by the block in game seven. That moment will always be one of the things that I gravitate towards. But just like with Tiger, when I zoom out, I go, I can't believe he has done this every single year for his entire career. Brilliance at every single turn. Every single year. That's what defines the very best. It's why the Georgia Bulldogs have been the most impressive team of the college football season so far. Consistency marked by brilliance. Now this is in a college football season that is just, it's marked by inconsistency even more so than normal. And this is a sport that I can assure you, is known for its inconsistency on every single level, whether it's how teams play or whether how they are graded by the playoff committee. This is what the sport is. But Georgia, they open the season with a 10-3 win over Clemson, a game that I don't feel like was as close as the final score would indicate. At no point in that game did I think Georgia was going to allow anything on the board that would put that final margin in doubt. And since then, it's just been uh, sometimes gradual, sometimes immediate strangulation of every single opponent. It could be Arkansas, 37-0. That one was pretty immediate. It could be Auburn, 34-10. Florida, 34-7. could be Tennessee, 41-17 on Saturday, a game that I thought was finally maybe going to be a test for Georgia. They zip down the field. Tennessee's up 7-0. Okay, maybe we're going to have a game on our hands. Maybe we're going to have to see what this Georgia offense can do when they get down by a couple scores. Instead, 
It was a strangulation that came on after the first half of the first quarter. Again, in a college football season that has been marked by its inconsistency for almost every team, Georgia is the only exception to the rule so far. Doesn't necessarily mean that will extend to the end of the season. Could slip up against Alabama in the SEC title game or in the playoff against another team, Ohio State, somebody else, I don't know. But if we get to the end of the season and it plays out as it looks like it's going to play out, Georgia's hoisting the national title trophy. I think we'll look back on the season in same vein of, wow, that is a really impressive season that had moments of brilliance. But more impressively, this team was just so consistent every game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Defense that looks like it's going to be up there amongst the very best of the last couple decades. Now, I've been thinking about all this since the Monday night football game. How teams are capable of both incredible highs and incredible lows. Again, extend that out to humanity. Extend that out to life. If you ever need constant reminders, you got them at every single turn. I promise you that. For that night, the San Francisco 49ers are humming. They are what people at the start of the year projected into their minds as this is the best version of this team. They're flying around on defense. They're mauling you up front on offense with a run game and setting up these quick Jimmy Garoppolo passes and he's getting the ball accurately into the hands of these people who can make plays, whether it's George Kittle or Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, and they just squeeze the life out of you like this. If you were thinking through those terms, Monday night was was perfect. If you were defining them by just that game, you would proclaim them to be the Super Bowl favorites and just wash your hands of the whole situation. If you just watched that game and understood what the Rams were coming in, you would go, all right, well, what are the Niners' odds to bet on the Super Bowl right now? I'll take them. However, this is a team that has lacked consistency. That is why they are not a Super Bowl favorite. They are struggling to even be in contention for a playoff berth. By one week earlier, they were pounded by the Arizona Cardinals who were starting Colt McCoy under center. They were pounded by them. The same Cardinals team with Colt McCoy as starter that on Sunday went and played the Carolina Panthers who were starting their backups and got pounded by them. Again, remember, think about this. Incredible highs, incredible lows. Every single team, every single person, all capable of this. You are not what your best says you are. You are not what your worst says you are. What are you in between? So I think about this on Monday night. And as I'm browsing around on my gambling sites, come across the Super Bowl odds sheet. And I find it interesting to talk about the teams at the top through the theme of this show. It's the Bills, it's the Bucks, it's the Packers, it's the Rams, it's the Cowboys, in that order. Teams that, if you define them by their worst, you would think they are garbage. Teams that, if you define them by their best, 
you would consider each the runaway favorite to win the Super Bowl in the same way that you would if you'd watch the Niners on Monday night, in the same way that you could pretty much build a case for almost any team throughout the league. So at this point in time, why does Vegas believe in these teams? Why do I, as a football fan, believe in these teams? It's pretty simple to explain. It's consistency relative to the league. It's the ability that these teams have and have shown to beat you in multiple ways. Consistency, right? You examine each one of these teams, and I think it's interesting to do based upon the idea that you are defined by your years, not by your moments. Buffalo Bills at their best. Man, they're obliterating the Texans or the Dolphins earlier this year. If you watch those, you would say, this is the Super Bowl favorite. They are so good in all facets of the game. Coaching, look at their offense, look at their defense, special teams. I mean, wow. That's how you would feel. If you saw them at their worst, Well, then you watched them against the Jacksonville Jaguars two weeks ago when they lost outright as over two touchdown favorites. They couldn't block. They couldn't move the ball. They lost 9-6. If you watched them in that game, you would say, this is probably one of the worst teams in football, and I assume they are battling for a top five pick. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you saw them at their best, you watched them just destroy either the Falcons or the Dolphins or the Bears. And that was framed also by what you saw during their playoff run last year. It was the Bucks at their best. And they went through three really good teams to win the Super Bowl. The Saints, the Packers, and the Chiefs. If you saw them at their best this year, framed with the knowledge of last year, you'd say it, there's no team that can hold a candle to this. They're too deep. They're too talented go up and down their roster, and it's just players, players, players. They're all so good. If you saw them at their worst, you watched the last two games that they played against three quarters of Trevor Simeon or four quarters of Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team on Sunday. Both outright losses, both to quarterbacks that are just not good. If you watched them in those games, you would say, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get what everybody sees. If they can't stop, Trevor Simeon and Taylor Heineke, how are they going to stop Aaron Rodgers and Matt Safford and Dak Prescott in the NFC playoffs? If you saw the Packers at their best, you probably watched them against, at the time, an undefeated Arizona Cardinals team on Thursday Night Football. When Green Bay entered the game with about half their organization missing because of injury or COVID protocol, And still, with that skeleton roster, the only thing that necessarily mattered is Aaron Rodgers was there and everybody else stepped up. If you've seen them at their best, you've probably watched them go 8-2 and despite this steady stream of injuries and COVID and all that kind of stuff. And you go, man, this team's already a Super Bowl favorite and when they get healthy, what they are capable of from a a moment of brilliance is it's going to exceed any other team. You saw them at their worst. You watched the season opener against the New Orleans Saints. They couldn't move the ball on offense. They couldn't stop the Saints on defense. They were annihilated in the trenches on both sides. They were outcoached in every facet of the game. You watched that game, and that game alone, you would say, well, they are 
so bad. This team will not even sniff a playoff berth, much less contend for a Super Bowl. How about the Los Angeles Rams? If you saw them at their best, you watched them blast Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champion, earlier this season. You saw all of that star power that they've accumulated. You saw it manifested on the field. You go Stafford in this system. Of course, this is an upgrade 10 times over over what Jared Goff was doing when they already made a Super Bowl with him. And look down their roster and who's making plays. Man, Cooper Cup, he seems like he's ascended to another level. And Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in football. And Jalen Ramsey's the best corner. And now you're fast-forwarding the season. You're going, wow, and they just traded for Odo Beckham and Vaughn Miller. Look down the roster. Look at these stars. There's so much star power, it will just outshine everything else. It can cover up everything. If you watch them at their worst, you watch their last two games against the Titans and against the Niners when they were soundly beaten in both games. Last team on that Super Bowl odds list, Dallas Cowboys. Their last two weeks is a perfect examination of how capable every team and every person on planet Earth is of incredible highs and incredible lows. And yet, those are not the things that define us. You saw the Cowboys at their best. You watched them throttle the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Smashed them in every single facet of the game. If you saw them at their worst, you watched them one week prior. When they welcomed the Denver Broncos in and got throttled by Denver in every facet of the game. Same Denver team that one week later was throttled by the Philadelphia Eagles. In every facet of the game, this stuff goes on into infinity. If you really want reminders of the unpredictable nature of the NFL, how capable each and every being is on planet Earth of doing things both good and bad, look at the NFL and just watch it. And you will understand what I'm talking about. Consistency. That becomes the separator. As I look at these five teams I've just listed, as I look at the teams at the top of the league, consistency is the separator in a league where every team can go out of their minds on any given Sunday for good or for bad. Consistency is what gets you to the playoffs. Consistency is what helps you win in the playoffs. It's that question that is very tough to answer. Can you string together the best version of yourself for multiple games against the best teams in the league. Most teams cannot do that because that is very, very, very hard to do. Consistency wedded with brilliance. Now, getting to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs are two very different things. That's true in all the sports and obviously true within the NFL. I would say that consistency is the most important thing to get you into the playoffs feel very comfortable saying that. But once you are there, the moments of brilliance, they take on added importance. What are you at your very best? And can you extend that out over the course of three or four games? That is the question of the playoffs. But what puts you in that position? What do teams chase all season long? What do I as an individual strive for and think this has an immense amount of value if I can just find it. 
It's not the bright flash. It's just not. It's the consistency that comes from trying to be a better version of yourself every single day. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas or themes you would like explored, feedback in any way, or would just like to connect, email me at chris at ceo.com.